We're in this series called We. We've been talking about who we are as God's people and what we're called to be about. You remember two weeks ago, we talked about we're God's people who are marked with God's presence. From 1 Peter 2, we are a people desperately dependent upon God's presence and power. And then last week, from Ephesians 4, we talked about we are God's people wholeheartedly committing ourselves to formation in the way of Jesus, a formation that involves an, an intentionality and an effort on our parts. And so today, I want to dovetail into that. We're going to put presence with formation and today with missions. Any Lord of the Ring fans in the room? Who are the Lord of the Rings groups in here? Come on now, online, get your hands up online, Lord of the Rings. So in the first, uh, the first movie, Fellowship of the Ring, there's this scene where Frodo is kind of lamenting the great evil that has fallen across the world. He's kind of moaning and groaning. Anybody been lamenting or moaning and groaning this week? Well, you're with Frodo. Frodo says this to Gandalf. He says, quote, I wish it need not have happened in my time. And then Gandalf responds with his usual compassion and wisdom. Here's what he says. So do I, and so do all who live to see such times, but that is not for them to decide. Hear the sentence now. All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. How about that last line? What to do with the time that is given us. Maybe some of you have whispered, you know, I wish 2020 had never happened. Right? Anybody... Can anybody even remember what 2019 was like? I mean, we can't even... Somebody was talking about something that happened in March, and it felt like the conversation... It was like three years ago, right? We can't even even have a frame of reference beyond about March 2020 because it's been such a massive upheaval. And maybe you're like Frodo and say, I wish it didn't have, have happened. It wouldn't have happened in our time like this. But this morning... We're going to find out what, like Gandalf was explaining to Frodo, what Jesus brings to us is we've got to decide what to do with the time that we are given. And this morning's kind of the conversation that Jesus is in with his disciples is around the dialogue about who people are saying he is. Kind of what are the Instagram posts, what are the Facebook posts, What's the online chatter? What's the dialogue on the street? Jesus is asking his disciples about who people say he is, because there was quite a wide array of opinions in first century Israel at that time about who they say Jesus is, not unlike today. You know, not everybody who has a commentator, commenta- comment, commentary about Jesus is necessarily from a place of wisdom. There's all kinds of opinions about Jesus, but we want to make sure we go to his book, the God Breathe book, and say, well, what is Jesus saying about this? Look, so then Peter jumps in. Look at verse 15 of Matthew 16. It says, what about you, Peter, he asked. Who do you say I am? So Jesus turns to Peter and just says, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answers, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades, or hell, will not over." 
comment, which by the way, side note, this is where the Catholic Church grounds their kind of theology of the Pope's authority over the church. They trace the lineage of the papal authority through the line of Peter, St. Peter. It's traced through this text here. Now, that's a discussion for another day, but that's the basis for it is right there where Jesus looking at Peter says, hey, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. So this morning, what I want us to look at is what does it mean to be God's people who charge the darkness with the light of Christ's hope? It was just a couple of weeks ago, we as a staff were uh, having a staff meeting, and I showed some teaching segment from Gary Hogan. Many of you know Gary Hogan. He's president of International Justice Mission. Here's a picture of Gary Hogan. He wrote a book. I commend the book to you, Outstanding. Uh, International Justice Mission is the organization that he founded and he continues to lead, and their mission is to eradicate violence against the poor in this world. All around the world, they've deployed hundreds and hundreds of people. He's an attorney by trade, and he transitioned out of the kind of the work in Washington, D.C. in the State Department, and he transitioned into starting this not-for-profit called International Justice Mission. Outstanding ministry, doing great work all around the world. And Gary Hogan was uh, sharing a leadership conversation with some people, and he talked about this text. And he, had a, and he made a statement that I had just never considered before when it comes to Jesus' comment to Peter. says, and Jesus, Jesus says to Peter, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And Gary Hogan said this. He said, have you ever thought about how gates are stationary and static? They're designed to keep things out. They're not by nature moving forward. They're not by nature kind of taking ground. Gates are stationary. Gates are static. Gates are designed to hold things back from coming in. Which then now, stay with me now. So the picture is, in light of 2020, it can feel as if the darkness is kind of moving on the offensive and that the darkness is pushing in. When I think the perspective that Jesus wants to give us from this text is, hey, we can't lose sight of this, that it's always been since Jesus came to earth and rolled the stone away, hear this now, it's always been that the kingdom of God and the kingdom of light is on the offensive, that Jesus and his people and his kingdom were the group taking territory in his name, that the gates of hell, they've got to build gates because we're taking ground in Jesus' name. That the enemy's got to build some gates around evil, injustice, darkness, all that's wrong in this world. Look, we're not lacking for commentary about what's wrong in this world. But hear this. we got to recognize the enemy's building gates around his fortress of darkness. It's because Jesus is coming with his people to take some ground. Right? That it's about light and it's about hope that we're on mission. Do you see that? We don't, we're not retreating in fear, church. This isn't a time to retreat and hunker down in fear. This is a time to step up with the power of Christ and take some territory in Jesus' name. I'm glad there's some amens happening in the body here. So I hope some online as well. And so what I was thinking about was, you know, like the, a global pandemic is not going to put Jesus' church on the defensive. That's not, 
Come on now. That, do you think Jesus is sitting up there because of COVID-19 and what, oh my gosh, my kingdom's like going to cave? Come on now. Jesus' church is not going to cower in fear because of COVID-19. That's not how this works. The gates of hell better be shuddering. They better lock those gates tight. That's what Satan better find out. Because Jesus and his people are coming with the light and the hope of Christ. That's what we do. That's who we are. So like social distancing and masks and all this strange kind of ways we have to be around each other, do you think, do you think like all of that right now, like just because you have to wear a mask, though it is challenging, just because you have to be farther apart from the other than we would prefer, do you think that's going to like stamp out the light of Christ's hope? Come on now, that's not going to do it. There's going to be commentary decades from now about how the people of Jesus handled 2020 and 2021 or however long this goes on. How did we handle this? And we're going to have commentary about the territory of darkness that shuddered and how the gates of hell had to give way to the power and light of Christ's hope penetrating. This is going to be a generation. This is going to be a time where Jesus people all around the globe Take background from darkness to light. That's what we're going to do. Like protests and riots and all the things going on on your news feeds week after week, as di- all the systematic injustices that are rising up. Do you see this church? Church, that's an invitation to charge the darkness. That's not an invitation to like cower back in fear and go, oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. What do I do? You stand up, you step forward, and you charge the darkness with the light of Christ's hope. We don't back down from that. When you see the eruptions going on, do you see the circumstance? This isn't just in North America. This is all around the world. Can you picture perhaps in the spiritual realm? I think in the spiritual realm, like God's deployed some forces of light moving back the door. I I think in the spiritual realm, the enemy and the demonic realm, I think they're trembling about what God's stirring up in his people through all of this. I think there's something rippling across this world that hasn't been seen in our lifetime and perhaps hasn't been seen in this generation as a whole. And so... Add to that our political environment and all the rhetoric going on in politics and all the division and all the anger and all the this and that. Do you see? We get to charge into that darkness. We get to charge in with Ephesians 2 type mindset that we have the Prince of Peace who removes the dividing wall of hostility and brings people together. Do you see? We get to move into that space with the light of Christ, hope. And I think this is what Jesus was getting at, you know, in Matthew chapter 11, I put this in your notes. This is a not very commonly quoted passage in the New Testament, but I think it's very timely for what we're living in right now. Listen to this. From the time of John the Baptist, from the time John the Baptist began preaching until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. Isn't that a great picture? Jesus said, hey, since the time of John the Baptist... Do you realize, since he came and prepared the way for the Lord, the kingdom of heaven, who's advancing? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of light, the kingdom of Christ. We're advancing, we're moving forward. We're not playing defense. We're not retreating. We're not building gates and fortresses trying to keep a bunch of stuff out. We're moving towards the darkness, and we're going to shatter and break down the gates with the light and hope 
of Christ's life. That's who we are, church. That's what we do. And this isn't new. This is who the people of Jesus have been since He left the earth, Acts chapter 1, and poured out His Spirit in Acts chapter 2, and sent Him out on a mission in this world. This is who we are. This is what we do. And we don't let the kinds of setbacks that we may be encountering, we don't like, because we have a setback, we don't stop just because it gets hard. We don't stop. We keep getting up. We keep pressing forward. We keep moving ahead with the charging, the darkness, with the light of Christ's hope. That's what it means to be the people of Jesus. And so the New Testament, just to kind of give us a little context, I put a few verses in your notes about the language for the people of Jesus to get a hold of, and maybe we just need a fresh reminder, like this is what it means to live in a fallen world with a real enemy that's at work, with a real spiritual battle. Here's some of the language, 2 Corinthians 10, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. Church, we don't fight like the world fights, we fight differently. We still fight though, we don't retreat, we don't hunker down, we don't cower in fear, we fight, but we fight differently. List on the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. How about that language? Or how about Ephesians 4.27, don't give the devil a foothold. Or Ephesians 6.12, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So you see that all that language is charging the darkness. Look at it. This is what it sounds. Charging the darkness means this. It means we demolish strongholds. We don't give the devil a foothold and we push back the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That's what it means to charge the darkness. That's how we knock down the gates wherever we find them. That's why advancing the kingdom of light involves sacrifice and selflessness and courage and perseverance. Nowhere did Jesus say this was going to be easy. Nowhere did the Apostle Paul tell those early followers in that young church that this was going to be easy. Remember, a good portion of the people who were listening to Jesus tell them he was going to build his church and the gates of hell weren't going to prevail against it. A good portion of that audience lost their physical lives for the name of Jesus. So nowhere did he say it was going to be easy. Nowhere did he say it was going to be comfortable or convenient. That's why like safety, comfort, and convenience are not a big theme in the New Testament at all. Instead, courage and perseverance and hope and power and joy, those are the themes that we encounter as the people of light. So no matter how dark it gets, Jesus people, we don't quit. No matter how many setbacks we encounter, no matter how dark the circumstances, we refuse to play defense. We're done playing defense. There's no point in playing defense. That's not who we are. Not since Jesus rolled that. We're not playing defense. We're playing offense. And today, we join what we've been saying. So Eagle Church today is this declaration. We want to say today what we've been saying for 28 years. We raise the sail around here, we catch the wind of His Spirit, and we charge the darkness in the name of Christ. That's what we do. We're going to do what we've been doing for 28 years. And in light of the current circumstances, church, this is a time for us. This is a day for us. We double down on our serving and our giving and our praying. We double down on what it's going to take to 
reach the least resourced and least reached in our world. We double down on our strategy and our creativity and our effort and our plans to knock down the gates of darkness. Church, this is a time to double down and to pray bold prayers and to take bold risks and to move forward with the light of Christ's hope. This is that time. So this is who we are, and this is what we're to be about. As Gandalf said, we can only be responsible for what we do with the time that we're given. What's the commentary going to be, church? What are we going to do with the time we're given right now? We're just guaranteed this day, this moment. We got no idea what next day, we don't, next month, next year. We have no idea. We're guaranteed with this time. And if I understand this word correctly that it seems to me really clear that the body of Christ's people on earth, the church of Jesus, if we ever needed a lesson that the church isn't about the buildings that we gather in, hello, 2020. It's not about the buildings. You are the church, the people of God. Many of you meeting in living rooms or driving on interstates or sitting on beaches or wherever you are listening and watching to this. That, and then the people... we. The people of Jesus, the body of Christ, it's about the people of God, empowered by the Spirit of God to move, move forward with the light and hope of Christ's presence toward the darkness. That's the church, and it's deployed, 190 nations, about 2 billion people. That's a pretty strong army. Do you think the gates of hell have got something to kind of like, yeah, I can see Satan, hey, you better double padlock that gate because Christ's people are coming. And it's, they're coming hard, they're coming full, they're coming fast, and we are not giving up. There might be some things we get knocked down, there might be some things we fall on our face, we're not always going to get it right, but giving up is not an option. There's nothing about give up in the name of Jesus. We keep moving forward together. That's what it means to be God's people on mission. Do you see? This is how presence, we're desperately dependent upon His power and His presence. We can't do any of this without Him. And formation, do you think we're going to need a healthy amount of the formation of Christ's character it deep down into the crevices of our soul to persevere, to endure, to stay the course, to stay steady? We're going to need presence and formation to be able to move forward in missions in this way together. That's who we are, Eagle Church. That's who we've been for 28 years. That's who we are today. And by God's grace, that's who we will continue to be. And so to kind of draw things to a close this morning, I just wanted to give you a little kind of a little bit of a picture, go through a little photo album of the way Jesus' people around eagle are charging the darkness to encourage you because there's a tremendous amount of that. And the reason I think the enemy's probably shuddering on a morning like this. I want you to take a look at this picture, Carl Ralston. Do you just remember Carl Ralston? He found an organization called Remember New. Carl Ralston was an insurance salesman in Ohio several years ago. He owned an insurance agency until he found out of how many, so he found out how many children are being sold around the world into slavery and trafficking. And he said, I got to give the rest of my life to prevent, to end child trafficking in this world. Sold his business, sold his home in Ohio, moved, moved to the middle of Thailand. He's now living up in the Oregon area. But the point is this, Carl Ralston is charging the darkness of child trafficking with the light of Christ's hope. And we're partnered with him as an organization called 
remember new. Or how about this young lady? Anybody remember her face? Allie King. Allie, if you're listening today, we love you. We thank you for all that you're doing. Allie used to be a regular blue chair participant. Her season tickets are right over here. And Allie raised her family here in Zionsville in Royal Run. Her kids graduated from high school, went off to college, went into the marketplace. And Allie decided, you know what? She's going to charge the darkness of systemic poverty in our city. And so she sold her home in Zionsville, and she lives on the near west side in a neighborhood called, called Haville. If you know anything about Haville, you know this. Uh, there are not a lot of folks in the neighborhood who look like Allie, right? She would say, she might be the only white person, and Allie, I guarantee this, you're the only white person with a British accent in Haville. I can guarantee you that. But Allie King is charging the darkness with the light of Christ's hope in systemic poverty on the west side, leading a ministry called Youth for Christ, specifically in the area of city life with Danny Marquez, the guy who did our outstanding call to worship this morning. Or how about these folks, Stephen and Carrie Smith? I think they're usually over here, season ticket holders. over Stephen and Carrie Smith and Nick Myers. Here's a picture of them partnering with a ministry called Migros Aid to charge the darkness of what's going on in the refugee crisis in our own city, to help the physical and the spiritual needs. And there they are dealing with like a community garden project there. And then just this past week, we had the School 63 project. This I just want to take a moment here and just commend you for all your generosity. So you remember what, a couple weeks ago, Justin stood up here and said, hey, we got like 600 kids at School 63, and, and they don't have enough stuff for school supplies, and we want to supply them. You guys filled all 600 of those buckets full of supplies, like within a week. They're all done. Here's a picture of them being delivered. So thank you to the Threckheld family. There's a picture of their kiddos helping out, and I think the Swinney family and the Turnquist kids. It was a group effort, kids and adults, and, and there they are, all the supplies being delivered. And so School 63 is about, well, we're charging the darkness of educational reform with the light of Christ's hope, partnering with an organization called Matchbox Learning. That's what the people of Jesus do together. And then we've got a couple of families who, are, who used to be worshiping in here with us and are now relocated to other parts of the world. Paul and Kate Keller and their two boys. The two boys are living now in Sicily over in Italy. And the Keller family relocated to deal with a refugee crisis from North Africa heading into the shores of Italy there. And so Paul and Kate, I know you join us regularly online. We love you. We with you. We're with you. We're for you. Thank you for charging the darkness for the spiritual, emotional, and physical needs going on in that part of the world. Our prayers are with you. And then we got Petula Myers who's living in Sarajevo, Bosnia, and she's charging the darkness of the massive spiritual need in Bosnia, where the latest data is less than one half of 1% of that country has a vibrant faith, devotion to Christ. I mean, it's just, it's a massive spiritual need in that area. And Petula, I know you dial in with us too. We love you. We're with you. We're praying for you. Thank you for charging the darkness with the light of Christ's hope right where you are. And then here's Tony and Lisa Myers. You guys know the Meyer family? Tony and Lisa, I think you're joining us online. They're a part of our Safe Families ministry. Here's a picture of Tony and Lisa. They're charging the darkness of this. Do you know there's a broken system in our world where we've got children growing up without family units? to caring for them, without parents engaged with their life, and lost in kind of the institutional mess that institutions can become until people like Safe Families and Tony and Lisa Meyer, until they charge the darkness of all that and say, hey, we'll bring you into our homes and we'll help you find the light and the hope of Christ. Do you see all that? Church, this is what it means 
to be the people of Jesus who were playing offense. We're not playing defense around here. We're going to charge the dart. We're going to keep going. That's what we've been doing. That's what we are doing. That's what we're continuing to do. And where we get the hope not to shrink back in fear, where we get the courage to keep getting up and kind of licking our wounds at times and learning from our errors and keep pressing forward, where, hear this now, this may be the most important section, is to remember that when we step into the arena to battle in this kind of way with God's mission in the world, we step in with our lead soldier, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus is the first man in the arena to say, I'm going to give my life to defeat darkness and sin and death. And the reason we can have great hope that we're on the winning side of this equation, what fuels our courage not to give up, that even though we may have lost this particular battle or this battle, that at the end of the day, the war will be won, is because Christ, the lead soldier, entered the arena. And Jesus said, I'll be in the middle of all this. We're not in this alone. Jesus is with us in this. He'll empower us by his spirit. And if you read the end of the story, you know the book of Revelation says, hey, the reason hope wins and love wins and light wins and grace wins is because Christ wins in the end. And that's our, right? We have that. And so I close with this question. What are we going to do with the time that we're given? What are we going to do? No lack of things pressing on the to-do list. A first week of school for many folks around here this past week. And students, I know it's such a challenging time, but students, in Jesus' name, this is not a time to play defense with the light of Christ. You go into those schools, you go into those unique environments, and you bring the light and the hope of Christ. That's who you are as a follower of Jesus. You press forward, you stand up, you strengthen your resolve, and you keep moving towards the darkness. And so what are we going to do with the time that we're given? One final quote, and then I'll pray. J. Campbell White, this quote's in your notes. He led the Layman's Missionary Movement, 1906. It was a group of businessmen in New York City who decided that they couldn't just go about their, like, regular business life, that they started to get a hold of, like, Christ's mission in this world and the bigger purposes of why, which they're on the earth. And so they started to link up, like, their Monday through Friday 9 to 5 life with God's more glorious and global purposes in the world. They started to link it all up. And J. Campbell White wrote this. Most people are not satisfied with the permanent output of their lives. Nothing can wholly satisfy the life of Christ within his followers except the adoption of Christ's purpose toward the world he came to redeem. Fame, pleasure, and riches are but, listen to this line, but husks and ashes in contrast with the boundless and abiding joy of working with God for the fulfillment of his eternal plans. Those who put everything into Christ's undertaking are getting out of life its sweetest and most precious rewards. And so this morning, maybe you feel like your life's filled a little bit more husks and ashes than it needs to be. You could just decide right now, decide today, no more. No more playing defense. No more sitting on the sidelines. No more retreating in fear. By the power of Christ in you, you step forward, you step out, and you charge the darkness. Because Jesus said, there isn't anything Satan and his kingdom can do to hold back the light of Christ's hope. At the end of the day, hope is going to win because Christ 
wins. And we are his people, desperately dependent on his presence, who are going to carry that light and that hope into the darkness. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the reminder from your word, for this picture of gates, for not giving up, for keep pressing forward. And I pray that you just infuse us by the Spirit now with your courage. Infuse us with an energy of the Holy Spirit. Maybe somebody feeling really down this morning. Maybe somebody feeling really discouraged. Right now, just pick us up, set our feet on the rock, lift up our heads and our eyes to see, and then help us with great resolve to charge the darkness and to dismantle the gates of darkness wherever we encounter them. We pray you do it. We do it for your glory in Jesus' name. Amen.